Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. 630 Chad. The San Jose Sharks put two points in LeBanc. Kevin LeBanc with two goals tonight, including the OT winner. And the Sharks edged the Edmonton Oilers 3-2. So the Oilers second place in the Pacific Division at the Christmas break. One point back of the Sharks. The Oilers are 18-12-6 on the season. And my oh my, they've been working overtime. Seven of their last 11 have gone to the extra session. Thanks for staying up with us tonight. Hope you have a great Christmas weekend ahead of you. It's 11.40 Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. 780-496-0063. People already getting in line to call. You can text 630-630. Rob, a lot to talk about tonight. I mean, another game that is that is close for the Oilers. I think Camp Talbot's going to get a lot of kudos tonight, as as he should. They hang around. They they get a point despite obviously not being the better team through the first two periods. No, but the Oilers' best players were their best players tonight. And if you want to win on the road or get a point on the road or be competitive on the road, you need that. Talbot was outstanding tonight for the Oilers. And in the third period, Connor McDavid and his line mates took over, scoring a couple big goals. And the Oilers needed them to stand up and be accounted. And because of that, they got a, a huge point on a road in a, in a battle for for first place in the division in a, in a game that the Oilers haven't played in a long time a game of this type of importance this late in the hockey season and uh, there were some hiccups in it but for the for the most part you got to be happy with the fact that they came they competed hard they left with a point and they got five out of six on a road trip a huge road trip before the christmas break in december the oilers are six two and four kind of a funny looking record but only twice have they gone home empty-handed this month our adjustment of the game for alberta's chiropractors life is the roughest game of all feel better move better live better with help from your chiropractor visit albertachiro.com i mean clearly todd mcclellan recognizing okay we're not getting a lot of shots so leon goes back with uh, mcdavid nugent hopkins goes back with eberle lucic and maroon were swapped on the power play and cassian got sat down after taking his double minor. Well, the Oilers didn't have anything going through 40 minutes, nine shots on net. you got to do something offensively. McDavid goes with Dreisaitl. That's an easy fix. You know that they're going to have success as they have in the past. As for Cassian, it's the right play. I mean, we've seen earlier this season silly penalties. Players get sad. This is an important game. They're fighting for first place on the road, close hockey game. Cassian takes an aggressive penalty. Not a good penalty, but an aggressive penalty. You'll live with it. It's the silliness afterwards, which got an extra two and possibly could have gotten another two or a ten added on. The ref just gave him four. The Oilers do a great job killing it off, but you got to send a message that's unacceptable. He didn't play again. I think the message is going to be felt by Cassian. He's got the Christmas break to think about it. I, I hope that you don't see that 
happen again at Acacian. All right, we have Greg to kick us off on the phone line tonight. Hey, Greg, go ahead, man. Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing well. Um, I got a couple questions and I have two comments. Uh, um, um, how many guys? How many years have you guys been doing this show for? Uh, this is my fourth season of doing this. And this and is my eleventh. And the Oilers haven't made the playoffs since then. Uh, no wonder why that raise I was trying to get you guys was. <laughs> there we go. Okay, sh- don't say no. anything on air, just in case the boss is listening. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, but um, the other comment I have is, uh, I thought finally um, this game was decently refed. It was it was half decent, and it felt like the uh, you know playoff game if Oilers fans can remember what that feels like, but. Um, the, the, I, have, I have one question that I want to ask you, and then I have one more thing after you answer that. Um, um, I'm just wondering what the the reasoning behind those two uh, the penalties in the second period, where one ref had his arm up, and then the other ref had his arm up, and then it was only one call. Because if when you're watching the game, you can see at the end of the the conversation between McClellan and the referee, uh, at the end of the conversation, the ref says, "I don't know," and 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 you can clearly see him off now if you can read lips. And, and, and that's kind of unacceptable from a ref um, um, saying that to a coach when there's two different calls. So I'm just wondering if there's any clarification on that or why there was only one uh, one penalty call made. And then uh, I have one more thing I want to ask you after. Um, on the penalty call, it, the refs messed up. They did. Because when you see the overview camera angle, there's a penalty called in the defensive zone when the arm goes up by the referee. Puck comes all the way down to the offensive zone. There's another hook, or actually it was a grab. The other ref puts his hand up. So it was two different calls. It was obvious. Uh, the refs talked about it quickly afterwards. So I do not know why they weren't both called. Uh, it should have been. It should have been a five-on-three. And that can change the complexion of a hockey game. So it's bad on the referees. That's something I know all referees are graded, evaluated each and every game. And I'm sure whoever was the the guy watching this game will have those questions for those refs afterwards as to why two penalties weren't called. Greg, I got to ask you to make this second one quick because we got Todd yeah, McCall yeah, standing very by. Quick. I just want to say that uh, the delayed game penalty is garbage, just like the offside uh, challenge is garbage. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, appreciate it, Greg. The Oilers did have two power plays in the final seven minutes tonight. Could not get the goal that would have put them ahead. Scott's up next on the phone line, but let's go back to San Jose. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Stingy team defensively on the other side. Doesn't give teams much. What can you say about the way you guys were able to claw your way back into it in the third period? Claw our way. We, we clawed our way just to stay alive. Uh, we didn't claw our way back into it. We were, uh, you know, we were never in that game. They were better in every facet you could think of in the game. So uh, I don't even think we clawed our way back in. We got lucky and came away with a point. Disappointing performance from um, an awful lot of individuals tonight. So we'll take, uh, we'll steal the point and uh, we'll get home. But we've obviously got uh, we got to get better if we want to play against these type of teams. In overtime, it can be so wild and crazy, but if you get a bounce, maybe you've got a two-on-one or, or a breakaway, but as opposed to them getting the bounce, that, that leads to... Well, we, we should have handled the pass coming off the bench. And uh, then the turnover in our zone, we're cheating and we're leaving the zone, and they get, they get an opportunity to score. Take advantage of it. 
Through 36 games heading into this Christmas break, how would you assess the way this team's come out so far this season? No, it's, that's a tough question to answer right now. When you're emotional, you're a little bit bitter with uh, the way your group was played. But if you take that out of the uh, out of the equation, we've made progress. Uh, the needle's moving forward. We've improved in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, tonight was was evidence that we still have a lot more to do. We've got to improve in the discipline area. Our penalty kill power play has to get better. Uh, five on five, we've got to find ways to uh, to improve our game as well. So, um, you know, I said it. I think after a game about 15, that we're a growth team, and I still think we're a growth team. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Clearly not happy tonight. Said they were lucky to get a point that they stole a point and uh his assessment of the season as a whole i think more tied into how they they uh they played the night i, I mean uh, fair comments this was not a a great game by the oilers uh again rob we, we've talked about individual games where we've said okay this happened tonight but in a seven game series what would happen seven game series i would pick the san jose sharks mm-hmm. over the oilers the oilers are trying to 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 get there and uh um, you know, I mean, Cam Talbot, according to the stars in the building, was not given a star. So he's clearly the fourth star of the game for Missioner on Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Uh, I mean, we can maybe touch on the power play here, and I've mentioned it before. It was 0 for 6 tonight with two huge chances in the final seven minutes. Yeah, as Todd said, it was a game that they stole a point in. They could have stolen two points if they score in one of their two power plays late in the third period. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot going on either of the power plays. You know, give credit to San Jose. It was a good kill, and, and sometimes the kill is better than the PP, and it was there. But the Oilers, outside of, you know, five, six players, did not play up to their potential, and, and it showed on the power plays, on the specialty teams. They didn't create like they normally do. But, yeah, I, I like the honesty that Tom McClellan said. There, and this is a good example, too, for, for anyone that's an Oiler fan. There's games this year that the Oilers have got a point like tonight, where they didn't deserve. And you're thinking tomorrow, you're like, oh, they got a point in San Jose, good. You know what, that's seven out of, or six, five out of six on the road. There's been games this year where they didn't get a point, where they actually played a lot better. So it's, I know that you think wins and losses are the main thing, and it is when it comes to the standings. But as a coaching staff, you're looking at how you played as a team. And there's been games that the Oilers have played better and got a lesser result than they did tonight. Yeah, and the thing tonight is, I mean, did they really have a, come close to scoring in the first two periods. No. I didn't write anything down. And even McDavid's goal it was going, hit, hit, yeah. two, hit two sharks. So it's, it is it is kind of an interesting one to, to talk about that way. We have Alex on the line tonight. Alex, thanks a lot for calling. Hi, thank you for having me on. Well, I mean, what can I say? There's a couple of fans here watching this game. And, you know, for first place up for grabs, I mean, that was one of the worst games I've seen him play this year. I totally agree with McClellan, McCla- uh, the coach. I mean, it was awful. I've never seen so many giveaways, players taking things for granted, these little cute little back passes, whatever, confusion. No one knows what the hell they're doing. And having Lucic on a three-on-three overtime, one of the slowest players on your team. I mean, hey, you know what? I'm not going to crap on Lucic. I want to – I'm really disappointed because, you know what? And, and uh, yeah, they stole the point, but this was for first place tonight. And that power play stuck. It was awful. I mean, there should have been some shots on that, some urgency. But we've seen this. We've seen this from the Oilers this year. I know they've still got a long way to go in the learning curve. But hey, you know what? And Cassian, you know, he was coming along real nice, and to have one of these games where he just sort of lost his composure. And I hope, I uh, hope he gets it together because I'm cheering on this guy. And 
I'm sure on the Oilers too, but what can I say? This was a big stinker tonight. You know, it really was. And, and yeah, because and I expect a lot from this team. And, and you know what? Benoit Pouliot, I don't care. I, I'm fed up with this guy. I just, I'm losing my mind. And same with all my buddies. You know, we just, I don't know what to say about this guy anymore. And I don't know. Uh, the one question I have for you, though, and I know I'm on a bit of a rant, is after the Christmas break, who do you think is going to come up in the farm that can make a difference? Because I'm not too sure about this Calgary Julia guy, either this rookie, and Beck got put in the lineup too, and I don't know if we got something better. Yeah, thanks, Alex. I mean, they could call up uh, Jujar Kara. He's one that comes to mind. They're, they're not overly deep up front. And, Rob, we, we mentioned to each other during the game tonight. I mean, let's face it, the Latestu line is the third line tonight. Yep. Call and what, has call been for want. a while. Has been for a while. I mean, and Kajula, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Some nights he's looked overmatched. I mean, Beck's a, a call up, but he might have to stick around. And, and right, Pouliot is underwhelming, to say the least. Well, and I think it goes on a Pouliot. I mean, if if Pouliot is doing what he's doing, what he's supposed to be doing, and he's on your second or your third line, well, now all of a sudden you've got the Latestu playing as as a fourth line, and you're good. But with Pouliot struggling as bad as he has, and you've got to elevate a Latestu line with a Hendricks and a, a Cassian, that's your third line, you know, now you're in trouble. And when it comes to depth, well, a Pitlick and a Pakarainen, those are depth players for the others. That would probably be your, your, your 13th forward, your 14th forward. Those would be the guys stepping in. Well, they're both hurt. So all of a sudden, your depth players, your, the guys that you have, your safety nets, they're not in the lineup. And, and well, obviously now with Pillick out for the season, the others have got to find someone with depth in the minor league system to come up. Uh, I mean, Jujar Kara, I think, to me, would be the, the best example. But, I mean, we don't get to see them. We only get word of mouth of who's playing well, who's not. Beck, who was up here, was leading the whole league in scoring. The whole league in scoring, so he'd be an easy one to come up. But once again, there's a big difference when you're an offensive player between playing in the AHL and then that step up to the NHL. A lot of guys aren't able to make that transition. Anton Lander, another guy that's an example, very good scorer in the minor league level, unable to do it in the National Hockey League level. I mean, yeah, and that's another option. They could yeah. bring him him back up. So seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three in overtime. The Sharks beat the Oilers 3-2. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. When the Oilers do score five or more in a game, we turn it on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, downtown Southside and Northside. Okay, we have uh, Sartoni on the line who called me on Inside Sports tonight as well. Hi, Sartoni. Uh, sorry, it's not Sartoni, it's Sertoj. Oh, pardon me? Uh, it's Sertoj. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, hi, sir. Hi, go ahead. Uh, and hi, Mr. Rob Brown. How are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? I'm doing very good. It's almost Christmas time. How can you not be doing good? I know. And, uh, so what I was talking about was um, the 0-6 power play. I mean, they, based on the past results, they're the best team in the league on away, uh, on, um, away power plays. And uh, they could have gotten at least two goals on the power play. But they, they couldn't get past... Um, at the San Jose goaltender and their defense. Yeah, the the power play, which has been so good as of late, struggled tonight, and and that's what happens when it, they there's they go in stretches where they they seem like you can never stop them. They're just going to create, 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 and then all of a sudden it just stops. 
all power plays have their highs, they have their lows. It's unfortunate, though, for the Oilers. Tonight, the one power play goal gets them a second point. Give San Jose credit. They were good. They were winning face-offs at important times, forcing the Oilers to get have to go back to their own zone and regroup. And a number of Oiler power play guys just had ho-hum average nights. And if you're just ho-hum and average against a good team like San Jose, well, you're not going to put anything up on the board. And the Oilers power play didn't. All right, 3-2. The Sharks wind up winning it. We have Scott on line two. Scott, thank you for calling. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Um, I was a little bit, uh, three things. I was a little bit surprised with uh, McClellan's uh, uh, comment about uh, the deciding play of the game. He said the the two players were cheating to get out. I didn't see it like that at all because San Jose had total control of that puck. McDavid was the closest one to the Shark player, and then Luchik kind of got turned around and went to that same player. What, he, what he's talking about for the cheating there, if you watch the replay, McDavid was the first, the, that was his player. He had him coming into the zone. He turns away, so the puck is in the other zone, it's in the corner. McDavid turns away from the corner. He actually skates outside the blue line, and that's when he oh, means okay. cheating. So he went outside the blue line. All of a sudden, his man's open, and here's the second mistake, Lucic turns is back on the play he's looking for his man and because he's doing that he doesn't notice that McDavid left the zone now all of a sudden San Jose has a two on one so when he says he's cheating it means he's leaving the zone instead of staying engaged with the guy that he's supposed to be with Okay, uh, fair enough Um, second uh, point I wanted to make was uh, and somebody touched on it you guys didn't say anything about it Um, I know the Oilers have been uh, having a lot of overtime games lately and whatever. I just can't, can't recall Lucic being on the ice that much. On no, he he has on been on a, he has been on a couple other times, but not yeah. a lot. And you know what, Maroon hasn't been out there in overtime, and he was yeah. today. I, I certainly don't agree with uh, Lucic getting that that call. I don't know. Um, as three on three, I, I think you got to have your speedsters out there. I think I think you're right. That's a valid point. I mean, there's every player has a strength. And something he brings to the table. Lucic is his physical play, his down-low presence, his nastiness, all those things. Speed is not something that he was gifted with, especially when it's open ice having to shift left to right very, very quickly. And, uh, yeah, that's... It, it 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 came back to bite the Oilers tonight uh, on that play right there. Lucic's strength isn't three on three hockey. All right, we got a break for the midnight news. We have Gary and Tony on the line, open lines as well. If you want to call in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers second in the Pacific Division. They lose three two to the Sharks in overtime. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line for the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Tierney, they'll swing it back, Secret and make a play on the puck, and now rushing down the ice is Melker Carlson, a breakaway, wrist shot, denied! Cam Talbot flashes the leather and keeps it a scoreless game. Huge stop by Cam Talbot early in this one. Yeah, that was a great save by Talbot. Shorthanded breakaway for Melker Carlson in the first period. Talbot's save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Uh, Sharks do win 3-2 in overtime. Rob, before we, we go back to the calls here, we got a few guys standing by, and thanks a lot for calling in uh, late to everybody tonight. There have been very few nights 
when Cam Talbot has played, and you've said the Oilers had obviously the poorer goaltender tonight. Mm-hmm. He has been equal or better to the other guy almost every game. Well, and it's why the Oilers right now are second in their division. Uh, they're, they're getting quality goaltending, and it takes you a long ways. And, and we saw it tonight in a game where the Oilers did not have their best effort. There were a lot of passengers. They had about six, seven guys probably playing up to the potential. majority weren't. But the goaltender gave them a chance. Gave them a chance through 40 minutes when the others were not good in the first 40 minutes. Only nine shots on net. Kept it within one. Allows them. The others have enough guys in their, in their top six that they can turn a game around in one shift. A game where they got nothing. No, they shouldn't be in. They're being outplayed. But a McDavid or a dry settle can do something special. So if a goaltender can play the way Talbot has played, he gives them a chance. He gets them these if you want to call them loser points, and that's why the Oilers are right now where they are, thick in the playoff race. Advantage trailer rental scoreboard looks like this. The Wild win their 10th in a row, 7-4 over the Rangers. Islanders knock off the Sabres 5-1. Pittsburgh downs New Jersey 4-1. Washington blanking Tampa Bay 4-zip. The Blue Jackets 12 straight wins now, 2-1 decision over the Habs. In a shootout, the Red Wings beat the Panthers 4-3. In overtime, the Avs take down Chicago 2-1. Carolina 3, Boston 2 in overtime. The Flames down the Canucks 4-1. Stars, uh, the Stars edge out. 3-2 in overtime. The Maple Leafs beat the Coyotes 4-1. We have Tony on the line. Tony, thanks for calling. Hello, I got a question for you guys. So, in the past about, I don't know, about five, six years, the Oilers at the Christmas break have not even been in the playoff picture. That's true. With the team that we have now, do you think we're going to either beat San Jose and have the possibility of winning the Pacific Division or even coming second or third, or do you think we're going to start collapsing and be out of our playoff spot? Uh, I don't. I don't think they'll finish first in the division. Um, okay. They are very well positioned to make the playoffs, Tony, because they have forty-two points. That's seven points ahead of the best non-playoff team. Nashville, Dallas, and Winnipeg all have thirty-five. And uh, Nashville has three games in hand on the Oilers. Dallas has one. So even if Nashville won all those games in hand, they're still behind the Oilers. It's not going to be easy. I just think with what we've seen from the Oilers this year, it's hard to foresee a collapse like in previous years where they lose 15 out of 20. And the reason that I believe what Reed says to be true is I don't think it's an aberration that the Oilers are where they are right now in the standings. They've been in every game other than one or two on the season. So through 30, how many games do the Oilers play now? 36? Yep. 36 games, there's been one horrible game against Buffalo, and maybe another one where they weren't in it. The other games, even when their A game wasn't there, they were always in the games. They're always going into the third, up one, down one, tied game. They are a team that has good goaltending. They play a, a sound, structured game. And they've got some game breakers that allow them to squeak points out. So I, I believe they're going to be in the mix throughout the remainder of the season. There's going to be some stretches where they're going to put four or five wins in a row. There might be some stretches where they go three or four where they don't. But they're always in every game, and I think that's why they're going to be in this playoff mix right through the end of the season. And my other question quickly is, I want you guys' I want your guys' opinion on Pouliot because, in my opinion, I think we should trade him at either the trade deadline well, no one's or gonna, something. Yeah, no one's going to take him, Tony. Who's going to take him unless the Oilers retain a huge amount of salary? He, he's, well, he's they got. Could always, they could always take a draft pick. Though, no, no, no one's going to take they, they, a draft pick. I mean, the Oilers right now I don't think can give him away. 
for nothing for the simple reason he is he's underperforming and he's got two more years after this year at four million dollars so i don't know someone standing up and say all right we'll take him for four million dollars a year for two more years he i mean he's he's struggling right now to stay in the lineup for the edmonton oilers this is his sixth team he need the oilers need to find a way to get him playing with a little consistency because I, I don't believe that he can be moved because of his contract. We have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks a lot for calling. Season's greetings. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Reed, Rob, thanks, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> and myself, with those older fans, we were looking forward to this game tonight. It was for two points to go ahead in the Pacific Division. And even though San Jose had two games in hand still, but disappointing uh, this, this this the performance first two periods, it, it was certainly Cam Talbert. Won this, uh, well, gotten the extra point. That's what I meant to say. We have opportunity, of course, in the uh, third period with two uh, uh, penalty or uh, power play opportunities to try and, and get the head goal. It didn't happen, and uh, disappointing with the power play. Uh, you have to give credit to San Jose, though. They, they, they're very, very uh, sound in their uh, penalty kill. They, they, they're very quick on it towards the uh, rushing to the, the puck uh, carrier and then. And taking space away, so the, the Warriors have to be a little bit quicker moving the puck around, getting the puck towards the net, and just crashing the net, you know. Uh, that's what I found. And the, the two mistakes, um, uh, the second goal, you know, uh, uh, in the neutral zone, turning the puck over, uh, where uh, Klepom, uh, uh I guess, uh, didn't cover. Like he, he went too far uh, past the center line there. And then the, the uh, overtime uh, goal, uh, not covering the guy, so, I mean, there's, at this point, we've, we've lost over the games uh, throughout the season, but uh, at least during the game, they found a way to at least get a point, and uh, we can look forward to uh, the last two games of the season before the year ends, and uh, that's back at home, so hopefully we can get, get four, four points there against uh, L.A. without Jonathan Crick and uh, a lower team like Vancouver, you know? All right, Gary, you're going to finish the play with us. You can qualify for the grand prize. Draw $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Kellen, what do you have? Adam Larson finding that puck up the right-hand side. Did not get it out. Quick shot. Okay, chance there for the Sharks. Did Talbot make a save, or did the Sharks hit the crossbar? I believe Talbot made a save on that one. Let's find out. Adam Larson finding that puck up the right-hand side. Did not get it out. Quick shot. The save made against an open Timo Meyer by goaltender Cam Talbot. Yeah, well, a really good game by uh, Talbot, obviously. And, uh, yeah, he was able to gobble that one up. The thing about Talbot is, we've talked about this before, Rob, he, he is not a goalie where you look at him and say, oh, my God, he's diving back and forth. Look at all the acrobatic saves. He just gobbles up chances and turns good scoring chances into routine-looking saves. I mean, I, I'm not a, a an expert when it comes to goaltending. and But I, I played with a guy named Tommy Barrasso. And Tom Barrasso, who was a very good goalie in the NHL for a number of years, used to say, if I'm making a diving, lunging save that looks fantastic on the replays it's because I screwed up when I'm playing well it looks easy I got my angles right I'm in the making the proper reads Jonathan Quick says the same thing it, it, knowing understanding what's coming down at you reading it properly and just being there and then when it comes in swallowing it up it means they're being successful so there was a lot and you pointed out at one point there was a, a save that Talbot made I think it was in the second period it, it looked so subtle on TV, 
But when they show the replay, you're like, you know what? That is a really oh, tough it was save. Oh, right after Maroon tied it. Yeah, and yeah. it's a really tough save and a really big save that it doesn't look hard. But when you watch it in slow motion, just how he positioned himself and swallowed it up and took any chance of a second shot away. Talbot's been excellent. He, I mean, there, there was a worry. Is he going to play too much? Is he going to get tired? I, I, from what we've seen thus far, they are using him properly because outside of two, three starts on the whole for the whole season, he has been excellent in giving the others a chance to win. 3-2, the Sharks take it in overtime. That means a $50 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season. Total now 2575 bucks. Connor McDavid continues to lead the NHL in scoring. 42 points. He had a goal and an assist tonight. Here's the Oilers' captain. What can you say about how tough of a game that was? They don't give up a lot as a team. What can you say about the way you guys fought back? Yeah, they battle hard and, um, and they play a tough game. And you know, we did a good job of finding a way to get a point, but uh, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot too many times. Uh, first four, I mean, you almost beat a team turning in 20 really good minutes, which is a good sign. But on the other hand, of it, you got to get 60, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, we, we took too many penalties, and, and their power play is lethal. Our penalty kill did a great job. Um, our power play really struggled there. But at the same time, their penalty kill did a, did a heck of a job, and um, you know, they didn't really ever let us get set up and, and ever feel comfortable. So um, something to learn from. Um, we played these guys a bunch of times, and um, you know, we can definitely take some positives from this game, but I uh, definitely have to learn from the mistakes we made. You had to give a 15-second State of the Union at the Christmas break. Where, where do you see your hockey team right now? We're in a good spot. Um, you know, if you told us at the beginning of the year that you'd be sitting in second place in the Pacific Division down by one point, um, you know, I think everyone in here would have taken that. So um, there's a lot of positives to take from you know, our, our first kind of half. And, um, you know, it's time to enjoy a nice break and get uh, re-energized and refocused and uh, come back uh, ready to go. All right, so that is McDavid who scored a uh, double bank yeah. shot to get the Oilers in the game and then made a great pass to Maroon for the second goal. Well, the key, though, on his goal was he shot the puck. And it's something we talk about all the time. Not all goals are going to be beauties. They're not all going to be like, you know, Patty Maroon comes down in a great shot and beats the goalie. There's ones that are going to just beat the goalie just by luck. And that one there, he put the puck towards the net, makes a double deflection, but it goes in, and hopefully he'll continue to learn the game at the National Hockey League level and realize sometimes his best play is putting the puck at the net. And what I like about him and with Maroon and in that line tonight, they put the pucks on net, but they also drove the net. On Patty Maroon's goal, it was a three-on-two in the passing lane, just like to Nugent Hopkins the other night. The passing lane was created by someone driving the net. Leon Dreisaitl went hard to the net. The defender has to go with him. As soon as it, he does, that opens a passing lane that McDavid is going to make every single time and allows the, the big goal by Maroon to get the Oilers back square again. So uh, McDavid is learning, and hopefully he'll continue to put pucks on net because he will find success. Drew is going to be our next caller, 780-496-0063. In overtime, Sharks 3, Oilers 2. We're in the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. So the Oilers down one nothing after 2 and being outplayed do rally in the third. McDavid tied it. LeBanc put the Sharks back ahead. 
just 2.04 later, but only 24 seconds after that. Maroon tied it for the Oilers. They went to overtime, and LeBanc wins it for the Sharks. 3-2 is the final. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. It is New Year's Eve no, early no, morning. No, it's not. It's not or, New Year's. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, don't, Christmas you just skipped right over Christmas. I skipped a week. Oh, my God. I time-traveled. I wonder what I got. I'm like Jean-Luc Picard in that one episode of Star Trek. <laughs> Seriously? And with that, we bring Drew in. Hi, Drew. <laughs> hey, great show, you guys. Uh, you're not drinking, are you? Not Wait, yet. We're not gonna. we're not going <laughs> to tell you the truth on that one, okay? <laughs> First of all, I have to agree with you guys on, uh, you know, Talbot has allowed this team uh, to be in every game so far that he's played in, maybe with the exception of a couple of bad games. But, yeah, really good on his part. I think they really shored the defense up. But I did want, I phoned in, uh, wanted to talk about Cassian. And, you know, uh, the stuff he did out there was, yeah, it, it, you know, cost us some time. But the Oilers, have attitude now whereas uh, you take a pen, uh, like lazy penalties like Pouliot has done in the past where he's just not on his man and he's just grabbing, hooking whatever, Cassian stood up there and said you know bring it so yeah they you know it was it was uh, you know it wasn't great losing the, the penalty minutes but he, he at least gave us uh, attitude on the team. You're, you're absolutely right with that, uh, and they, they do have a little swagger now in the physicality with with a Cassian and a Maroon and a Lucic and Nurse when he's in the lineup and Griba and things they they haven't had in the past. And it, it's a different team. They can play in the Western Conference now because of that. Uh, what I the first penalty that Cassian took when he came in high, the Oilers would have accepted that. It wasn't a good play on his part. But that's part and parcel of what Cassian gives you. He will cross the line sometimes, but it was a physical play when he crossed the line. The but second you know, penalty was the one. Oh, sorry. The second uh, penalty is the one that they had a problem with, and that's taking an extra minor and putting them down four minutes. That's where he got into the doghouse. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the call that I, you know, is quite interesting because McDavid was hooked twice, two different uh, penalties. And Cassian took two different penalties, but they never called the two penalties on. No, uh, nope. they out no right? wimped out on them. Yeah, you're calls. absolutely right. Yeah. That was. I, I don't understand what kind of um, excuse or reason that the referees could have given Todd McClellan on that one, because it, 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 it is obvious if you've watched the the replay. One ref called one penalty, and then eight seconds later. And the, the other ref called a second penalty on two, and you could see the two penalties. Yeah, and he's just standing up for himself, right? So why, you know, he got two, two, he got two doubles. Well, and the Cassian though, trying to, uh, uh, do some offense, and the referees are just giving him one penalty, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, two wrongs don't make a right. The, 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 ref, the ref screwed up the first one. The Cassian one was the right call. Oh, of course. Yeah. He could have got totally 10 there. Yeah, he could have got a, he, he actually should have got another penalty because he reached around a linesman and bopped the guy in the nose. Yeah. And that that's an extra 10. And what what the Oilers are sh- or coaching staff is saying, you know what, there's got to be accountability. Yeah. Because if this team wants to take the next step, if the Oilers do make the playoffs, 
The Oilers in the first round are going to play in Anaheim, a San Jose, or Maybe or could play Calgary. Or they could, Who knows? Well, but no, Chicago it's probably it's probably going to be a, they're probably going to be in their own division or the wild card. Meaning they're probably going to play a Blackhawks no, team. The coach did the right thing yes. by benching yeah. him. I, I don't have any problem yep. with that. I'm just saying he'll be back. And oh, I agree. Doing oh, yeah. the same stuff, and that's great. I agree. He's he's an abrasive hockey player, and it's something that this Oilers team has needed for the last number of years. They have it now, and it shows in the play. All right, Patrick Maroon, thanks for the call, Drew. Patrick Maroon, by the way, now just one goal behind equaling his NHL career high. He got his 10th tonight. He had 11 with the Ducks in 13-14. Back to San Jose. Here's the big rig. What can you say about the way you guys kind of dug your way back into that one in the third period especially? Yeah, we, I don't feel like we gave it our best in the first or second. I thought, you know, we hung in there though, the whole game, so that's a really good sign for our group. And, you know, they, we just took too many penalties. We didn't get the, f- the flow of the four lines that we needed to do. And, you know, but we battled back hard. And we got a point, which is really good. And, you know, this was a huge week for us. And I thought we had a really good week. And hopefully this can continue on going into the break. That's a team that doesn't give up much uh, in terms of uh, they're strong and stingy defensively. You know, how tough was it for you guys as far as trying to get anything going offensively? Yeah, it was. You know, their PK did a really good job. So hats off to them. But, you know, our power plays got be a lot better and a lot sharper. Uh, I, th- I think that was the momentum changer for us. We, you know, with that and taking a lot of penalties, our power play wasn't that good. So, you know, we work on that. You know, we have a really good break ahead and some four days of rest and recover. You know, we had a long, long, hard schedule coming up to Christmas, so we got some time to rest and, you know, we should be happy to where we're at right now. You mentioned you took five out of six points on this trip. You guys uh, threw 36 games. You're right there with the Sharks for tops in the Pacific. What can you say about this team and what it's done? thus far heading into this Christmas break? You know, we're, do, we're doing really good things right now. We're climbing and you can tell we're, you know, we can be that team going in, going into January the next stretch here. That's going to be really cl- crucial. You know, we got another two games at home and then we're back on the road to battle this off. So, you know, uh, guys battled and uh, we should be happy to where we're at, but we still need some things to clean up and, you know, everyone's going to go home, rest, clear their head a little bit and enjoy the break because everyone should be happy going in the break right now. That is Patrick Maroon. Nice shot by him tonight. McDavid and Griba, by the way. Griba gets his first point assisted on that goal. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. It's 12.27. We have a caller, I believe, from Mexico. Up next, Sharks edge the Oilers 3-2 in overtime. We're in the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 30, Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in. It's 12.31. The San Jose Sharks have beaten the Edmonton Oilers 3-2. Kevin LeBanc, two goals for the Sharks, including the game winner. McDavid and Maroon for your Oilers. Talbot, very strong in net. 29 saves. The Oilers were outshot 31-18 tonight. Robin Reed with you. We have Ozzy calling. Ozzy, are you calling from Mexico? I am too, sir. Well, thank you for listening and thank you for calling. What's up? Well, just a couple things. Uh, Merry Christmas to, to you and Brownie. Uh, Feliz um, Navidad. Oh, oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because uh, I've heard the song. Oh, that's it. <laughs> uh, the first thing is, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Bruin fan, but I, I listen to the Oilers because I live in Edmonton, and I'm listening to all these fans. At the beginning of the year, they signed Lucic. It was the greatest thing going. It's going to make this team. I saw him play with the Bruins. I saw him play with L.A. He played in, in overtime on three-on-three, three, scored goals in, in the three-on-three. Three. 
So he puts him out, he makes a mistake, and all of a sudden people are crapping on him. And then the second thing is, when's the last time the Oilers were actually in uh, a playoff position or this late in the season? Hello? Yep. Yeah, we're here. Okay. Okay. And they're fighting for a playoff position this late in near Christmas, not worrying about where they're going to go in the draft lottery. And to me, listening to the game with, with uh, Jack and uh, Bob uh, Stoff, yep. yeah, the, it sounded like they're nervous. They've never been in this kind of position. All of a sudden, they're not making the passes. They got 14 shots after two periods. And nobody wants to make that mistake. Okay, so then all of a sudden, you get a, uh, the goalie makes that the save for you. He's there. He's going to give you a chance to win a game. He does that. They make a mistake, and they lose in overtime. You know, they're one point out of first place going into the Christmas break, and how many people can Edmonton can say they can remember that happening since 2006? Well, I'll tell you what, Oz, before I let Rob jump in, the last time, I, I looked this up earlier today, the last time they were over 500. Going into the Christmas break was 08 09, so it would have been the 2008 part of that season. They were 15 14 and 3. The last time they had a good record going into the Christmas break was 05 06 when they were 21 11 and 4. They're now 18 12 and 6. Yeah, you know, so that, that kind of says the whole thing. You know, all of a sudden they're, they're up there for first place. To me, like I say, it, it sounded like they were playing a little nervous. They weren't doing the things they were doing before. And they're playing on the team that how well that San Jose did last year went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and and you're going for first place going into Christmas against them. You know that's such a, a big game, you know, and you're bound to be nervous. Now they know what they've got to come up with. It was like when uh, the Oilers in the old days played the the Rain or the uh, Islanders that first year. They saw how beat they were and all that. Then what they had to do to go through to win. That's what these kids, I think, are learning. You know, you got what? How many kids on the team that have got any actual playoff experience or have been this close to a first place halfway through the season? No, you're right. Every every new game that's an important game is new for a lot of these players. And every yeah. time they play one, they'll learn a little bit from, and they'll be able to take it into the next game. And I think what they saw tonight is off as they were in the first 40 minutes. They still found a way to get a point. They still found a way in the third period. I thought they were good. And I think they learned from that, said, all right, you know what, we can play with this San Jose team. I think this team, uh, sometimes you look too much into uh, one game and you start saying, oh, I mean, you know, they struggled against a good team in a big game. Maybe, maybe it's nerves. Maybe it could just simply be they had an off night. The Stanley Cup champions this year have lost 7-1 and 6-1, I think, in two games, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Montreal Canadiens, yep. who are one of the top teams in the league, lost a game 10 nothing. Sometimes teams just simply lose. Sometimes teams just don't have good nights, and it's simply an off night for them. It has nothing to do with nerves. It has nothing to do with not being good enough. Some nights you just have a bad night and the other team has a good night. So I, I think that you look at the positives right now at the Christmas break. Be thankful that you got an other team that you can actually look up in the morning and say, all right, we're still in the playoffs and feel good about what's going to happen in the second half of the season. And right now, just enjoy the Christmas break with an Edmonton Oilers team that right now is firmly in a playoff race. And not worry where they're going to draft. 
Yeah, exactly. And we, it's funny because Reed and I usually, we've got our, our, our Google going right now trying to figure out the best prospects and who the, where the others could pick and the, what are the percentages of where they are now with winning the draft lottery. I don't know who's up in next year's draft. I hope I don't know that until April or May when we find out exactly where the Oilers are drafting. I like it right now when Reed and I are talking about the game, what happened in the game, plays in the game. These are things we haven't done in the nine, ten years because all we're talking about is the negative stuff. There are so many positives right now with the Edmonton Oilers. It is fun being around them right now. It is. All right. That's great, guys. You have a, a great Christmas and a happy new year. You too, Ozzy. Thank you very much for calling, especially from Mexico. Okay, so the Oilers uh, finished the road trip here 2-0-1. They're 10-5-5 on the road, and uh, they have earned at least a point in nine of their last ten road games. So speaking of positives, that is uh, that is a huge one. For whatever reason, they are a better road team to this point in the season than they are at home. Well, and they're a team that without their their best game and it wasn't there they can still find points and uh, at the end of the night you can say the others weren't good but they still picked a point up on all the other teams in the western conference and that's huge at the end of the season if they make the playoffs by three points you're not going to say well those three three of those points were in games that they shouldn't have won or they shouldn't have got a point in you're still getting a point so good on the others not having their a game and having enough players and a McDavid, a Drysdale, a Maroon, a Talbot, they were able to get them that point tonight. Next broadcast coming up on Thursday, the 29th of December. The Oilers will host the Los Angeles Kings. We'll have it for you on Chad, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. The Oilers uh, with a Christmas break longer than most teams. Some teams are going to be back playing on the 27th. The Oilers won't even get back to practice until the 28th. Uh, our next edition of uh, Inside Sports will be on Wednesday the 28th. I'll have best of shows on Boxing Day and the 27th. Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Have a great Christmas, buddy. Thanks for your hard work tonight. Yep, you too, guys. Rob, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Reed. Hope Santa is very, very good to you. More on the Oilers on our website, 630Ched.com. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Sharks take it 3-2 in overtime. Have a great Christmas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.